Stepping in the ring tonight at 180 pounds, we have Mr. Abhishek Goen, the coach, poker player, Indian player of the year, countless titles under him. Look, look at those guns. <laughs> those are poker guns. <laughs> Abhishek, welcome to the Mindfulness Series. Really happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm glad I finally made it on here with a lot of uh, to and fro's. Uh, yes. It's happened. It's happened. I would like to know your journey in a nutshell. It basically, the four points I'm going to touch on is how it started. Uh, what is the support system you have around you? How's your family taking it? Because we, uh, it is a uh, different line compared to other, you know, trajectories and careers. And what are the milestones that you have? And where do you go from now? So, in a nutshell, right? Like that's a lot of information. Man, that's uh, we have there. time. We have time. Yeah, Raja, we have Raja, time. I'm twisting you, man. He told me it was going to be a quick podcast. <laughs> nice, five questions. It kind of reminds me of my uh, CBSE paper where I have no answers. This is an essay uh, type question, uh, you know. <laughs> where, where, where I want to start? I want to start from this picture, which I'm going to share with our viewers, where you are this pu prepubescent guy. The Dari's just come out. You remember yeah. the pick I'm talking about in the in the casinos when IPC started? Um, that was right after college, to be honest. You know, like uh, I was really passionate about the game, and uh, I I always loved the game from the from the word go. And then uh, a moment happened where I met uh, Aditya Vadwani in Delhi. You know, we back to Bangalore, uh, where I lived, where I lived. Um, something about poker came up and you know and he was like uh, he looks to me and he goes like you play poker and I look at him and I'm like there's no way you know about poker and this is like 2007 2008 mm -hmm. and he just lifts his t-shirt he's wearing this royal flush belt and he's like yo I play man <laughs> I used to play in London you know I have these guys these friends and he just goes into these whole bunches, bunch of stories you know and I was just like intrigued and I was like I want to know more about this because this is something I really love and if I can make, a, do, make it a living, why not? Is that, that moment was my aha moment because uh, it was proof of concept of someone doing it, you know. Uh, he gave me a couple of books to read. My parents are like, hey, Red, you don't even read articles. There's no way you're reading those books, you know. I was like, I'm going to read. And that was my introduction with reading, to be honest, you know. That kind of opened up things for me. I, never, I was never an avid reader. I was a very outdoor guy, uh, someone who ex hmm. loved experiencing different things. And then that opened up my mind to uh, reading. And I just wiped through those books, came back and cleaned out my home game, you know? Wow. And I was like, wait a minute, the stuff I learned in these books actually works. There's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a method to madness, there's psychology, there's science, there's math. And uh, that just created my hunger for the game, you know, because I was like, wait a minute, the more I learn, the more I can earn. And that's how my journey began uh, with poker. My parents always knew I played the game, uh, mm -hmm. but they told me just don't, don't take it up as a living. Uh, they said, keep it as a hobby, keep it as a passion. Uh, but well, we don't listen to parents, do we? <laughs> you don't listen to parents. Telling me to make it a hobby, I'm going to make it a career. <laughs> Maybe if they told me make it a career, I'd have made it a hobby. I don't know. But, uh, it was this, uh, the, the recession was going on. I got a really good mm -hmm. job, a really good job uh, where I was getting three, three and a half times more than what the average guy was getting in terms of the salary. And uh, my folks were like, you know what? This is, this is the best job you could have got, especially during recession where there are no jobs. People are losing jobs mm -hmm. and you've gone and bagged one of the best jobs. From I was never attracted to that. You know, I was always someone who loved doing what he, what he loves, you know, like it was never the money that was a driving force. It was never somebody mm -hmm. else telling me to do something else. That was driving. If I, if I did that for a bit, uh, with HSBC, I was uh, into commercial banking. I was doing sales. Uh, didn't really like it, man. I was playing all evening, you know, playing till five, six in the morning, then reporting to office, mm -hmm. like all messed up, dark circles. I was like, uh, two months in, I just knew it's not going to happen. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell the HR to give you a couple more months. 
uh, because um, we see potential. We want to groom you, you know, all of that stuff. And I was like, don't do it. You're going to waste it. Trust me. He's like, no, I'm going to push for it. So I'm sitting there in the HR room. My boss who really, really had my back. And the HR, she liked me too, you know, like, uh, like she was like, hey, we're going to give you two more months. We're going to put you in like a performance improvement pro- uh, program. And, you know, like this is what we do for people who we really think they have potential but need more time. And I just turned around and I mean, I was just myself. Then I looked at them and I was like, you know what? I don't need this because two months mm-hmm. later, I'm going to walk out anyway. You know, like, trust me, I'm going to walk out. You'd rather save your money. Dude, I, I, are you always this honest? I mean, <laughs> I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. And I actually told my I'm like, you know what? Keep it. You're going to, you're going to lose this money. I don't mind taking this buck. It's decent amount, mm. but I don't want to come here for two months. You know, like I'm not going to be happy here. I'm going to go, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I'm, I'm happy to bounce, you know? And uh, so they were like really stunned because I don't think they've ever heard of someone like that. You know, and my dad's like, how did wow. it go? And I was like, you know what? I told him this. My dad's like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you like this? You know? And um, I turned around. I'm like, uh, you know what? I think I really want to move to Goa. You know, like, he's like, why? What? You know? So all these questions were coming up. And I told him, I mm. said, dad, uh, I'm 20, 21 or whatever it was. I was like, mm-hmm. uh, the Indian Poker Championship is starting out. You know, like I'd already visited Goa a couple of times. So I kind of got the hang and vibe of what mm-hmm. was going on. And uh, I thought like, if I really want to do this legally and do it uh, mm-hmm. with any sort of merit, uh, I need to be doing it in a place where it's accepted, you know, where it's uh, mm-hmm. conducive to do it. And I didn't really want to do the underground games. Right? So I moved mm-hmm. to Goa and I told my dad, I was like, you know what, um, give me one year. I'm just going to go out there and play, you know, just go focus and see how it goes so that I don't have any like baggage, burdens, you know, nobody asking me questions. Because for the longest time, everybody's like, what are you doing for, doing for a living? Yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm playing poker. They're like, but beta, how are you going to earn? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so all those questions kept coming. So I moved to Goa. And um, uh, things worked out. I'll just put it that way. The, the gist and the subject of our podcast today is the learning curve, right? Yeah. And about how learning is a constant kind of a journey. It's not that you're there, you never reach there. It's absolutely constant. So um, when I was asking you about these milestones, you have countless wins. So I'm not going to even ask about the win milestones. Yeah. I want to ask you about milestones where you made a life-changing decision. So this was one. Yeah. Which I think uh, came from the basis of being honest to yourself, which is rare, you know, like even it, it's win with everyone. There's something like that happening in everyone's life, even mine, where you, you know, your one foot is in one boat and the other one is in another boat and you're juggling and you were yeah. frank with yourself, which yeah. actually made things easier. You yeah. committed, right? Yeah. So which were other lifestyles in terms of decisions that you made that, yeah. you know, uh, cost, uh, you know, change the course of your life? I was lucky that I started making decisions on my own since I was 14 or 15. Uh, okay. My dad gave me a lot of freedom, to be honest. Uh, he told me, mm-hmm. he just told me one thing. He's like, don't misuse your freedom. And all I did was misuse it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, I was, my folks, my folks kept saying, what's your plan? You know, and I kept telling them I wanted to play the World Series of Poker. And if I do go there and win it, um, mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything else, dad. Think about it. You know, so yeah. that was my, that was my biggest, uh, what you say, uh, speech to them. And it took me about four or five years to get to the World Series of Poker. And I finally got there in 2013. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a whole different uh, ball game when I went there. You know, like uh, I was a 22, 23-year-old kid. And, you know, it was just for me to get there with my own money. You know, it was, it was like uh-huh. a big moment for me, right, to get there uh, 2013. There were very few Indian players back then. I mean, Adi was okay. always there. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of other Indian players, uh, I remember, were there. Rahul Nalwani and I think uh, Casey, if I'm not 
So I think uh, th- this topic came up before I anticipated, but like, what was it like? Like twenty-two, three-year-old, you must be like in Candyland. Uh, but was, like you said, it was a, <laughs> it I was was a, a kid game. in the candy store. I was a kid in the candy <laughs> store. I mean, uh, in the casinos, not the strip clubs. I was. So for me, Vegas, I was a kid in the candy store. I made a lot of mistakes, terrible mistakes, um, both on and off the field. Uh, I was not training well. Uh, I was uh, definitely overwhelmed. I was uh, mm. euphoric. I felt like, uh, you know, like this was it. And uh, I also had a lot of realizations, to be honest. You know, I had a lot of realizations mm-hmm. about uh, poker in general, the industry in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, a lot of my bubbles bursted, to be honest. You know, like I eventually understood that World Series of Poker was just another tournament. It didn't really matter. And uh, they just marketed it better. Because, you know, when the World yeah. Series is going on, we still had like 20 other tournaments happening. And there were a lot of people who were actually playing those 20 other tournaments and they didn't care about the World Series. So it eventually like boiled down to value, eventually boiled down to ROI, eventually boiled down to how to approach this game and play games in fields where, you know, like you had an edge. And it was not always about like winning the main event. You know, although that's every poker player's dream, it was my dream too. Uh, it's still mm-hmm. one of my, um, uh, I would say, uh, aspirations or, or things that I want to do. Uh, but then it gave me perspective about how there was so much around poker. Uh, what really changed it for me was uh, I had a friend, uh, Alex, so he was a reporter, you know, a poker news reporter. He would write about uh, how you did, how you fed and, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was my age and I was pretty much always one of the youngest on the circuit. Yo, when you come to Vegas, I'll sort you out. And he kept telling me this. He's like, he has a house in Vegas. He works at the World Series of Poker with Poker News. And he would just report yep. that. And it was like his third stint with, uh, with uh, the WSOP or something. So he got paid um, a decent buck and he had, a, he had housing for free and he was staying with these other reporters and they had a really, a really good time. You know? so, um, so when I went there, I, you know, he, he written a little article about India, how India, the game is growing in India and how Indians are coming and you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we got really yeah. close and we're chilling and it was my birthday as well. And I told him and I'm like, yo, it's my birthday. Uh, I really want to celebrate it. We're in Vegas, but I can't call too many people. You know, I want to keep it, on, mm-hmm. keep it like in, in the down low. No. Yeah, keep it, keep it under wraps. <laughs> When you chill with the Americans, they buy you drinks. But when you chill with Indians, uh, you have to buy everybody else drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And he told me a bunch of stuff. And he said one thing. He said, you know what, bro? The what? He's like, I've been writing about poker players everywhere. In Vegas, in Macau, in Philippines, in, in, uh, in uh, Cebu, you know, uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I realized one thing. I go home richer than 95% of the poker players in every series. Wow. And, yeah. and I, I'm just looking at <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? Wait a minute. You know, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, I, pay, I get paid X amount of dollars per month, a yeah. per day, you know, like uh, I have housing free, one meal free and blah, blah, blah. And he breaks down the math and he shows me how he goes on richer than 95% of the burger pits. And that was my moment, dude. That was my moment. I'm like, wait a minute. Something's not right. You know, something's not right. You are yeah. writing about us. You are writing about everybody else building this and then, and you know, like, uh, telling me you go home richer, like what's the scene? Mm-hmm. You know? Then mm-hmm. I understood the, the economics of the entire industry. You know, I understood right. how the math works. I understood how the poker players, uh, ROI works. I understood how mm-hmm. everybody else works, you know, reporters, uh, operators. So it kind of opened my mind into a different direction. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, honestly, I was, I was pretty bummed after that trip because for five, six years, uh, my entire like dream of going to the world series and just, you know, like being in that bubble, uh, was popped. Okay. Uh, mm. then I understood that every tournament is just another tournament. It's just, it's another tournament. It's just another tournament. Right. It, um, so I came back and I took a break, uh, took a break from the game. 
you know, because I'd okay. also put on a lot of weight and I'd put on like seven, eight kilos just being... Oh yeah, weight. you're much chubbier, right? Uh, in between, yeah. I saw photos. Yeah. I was, I was. <laughs> so uh, I just want to dig in because there are some really interesting truths that I've spoken, which are not really spoken because the thing about tournament poker is glamour. It's sold from yeah. every nook and cranny, you know, it's just sold that WSOP, bracelet, oh hell, any tournament series for that matter, right? Yeah. But I, wanna, I, I wanted to ask you this question about the truth about the maths, economics, and psychology of tournament poker. Yeah. I want to know why you chose it. Because the thing is, you've seen it all. I mean, from what I hear, uh, you said that the WSOP, you've got to treat it like any other tournament. And, uh, you know, so my wife is also on board with me playing, but she has this thing against tournament poker. Because, yeah. you know, you only ship like one in a hundred if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And then she sees the toll that it takes on me. And whereas, yeah. you know, cash, po cash uh, poker is consistent money if you're playing decent, right? For sure. So how did you like um, take, make your peace with, uh, say, tournament poker? And yeah. how did you break down the math and, you know, the buy-ins and the whole bankroll management thing? Because like you said, you've got to function for every tournament as if it's your... Yeah. best uh, you got to focus so how did how did you make peace with so, it so lucky to have found a lot of mentors along the way uh, always helped me understand things you know whether it was Addy Inter mm -hmm. or whether it was uh, other guys that met like Vic uh, Praz mm -hmm. to some extent and mm -hmm. everyone who I thought was better than me I would just try to pick their brain even guys who I didn't yeah. think were better than me I would try to pick their brain to understand mm -hmm. how they are thinking about the situation you know so for me it didn't yeah. really matter who the person was as long as I could pull out some good from them what happened for me in tournament poker is I didn't understand the economics for the longest time, to be honest. Uh, I didn't understand mm -hmm. variance. Overestimating variance and underestimating skill um, is what I changed my mindset to. You know, people usually overestimate skill and underestimate variance. You know, so I'm just like, the, the switch in the mindset had to be, you have mm -hmm. to, you, ha you can't overestimate uh, uh, skill and underestimate variance. Uh, I did, I thought I understood variance, uh, but you don't know how long it's going to take to realize. And I've only seen it in the mm -hmm. last... 12, 13 years as to how it works uh, because mm -hmm. I've got a larger sample size, but you never know, yeah. you know. I mean, poker for me was interesting because of all the competition that came with it, you know, the grind that came with it. And uh, I got hooked onto it. Like you said, it's got a lot of aspirational value. It's got a lot of glamour. It's got a lot of uh, credibility. And um, what also kind of worked eventually, uh, initially when I was playing tournament poker was the media would report a lot of tournament scores, you know, uh, which meant there was a lot of credibility that came to what you were doing uh, when you were trying to build a certain, uh, what you say, uh, profession in this country where nobody really knew what, what you were doing. So for me, it was one way of just adding legitimacy to what I was doing in general. Having said that, um, not many people know, but I do play a lot of cash games as well. You know, I do play a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, I, used to, I started off as a cash game player and then started playing tournaments. I got hooked to the idea of tournaments and I got really lucky that I found uh, a few guys who could help me in tournaments, like I said. Like I always had these guys and I just got deeper and deeper and deeper with this whole tournament game and uh, I just put in so many hours behind all these tournaments that that just became my focus very organic start understanding that you need a way bigger bankroll for tournaments it is way more stressful no doubt about it it comes up it comes with its own pros and cons and if you're ready to deal with it you're ready to deal with it so you got to be in a frame of mind where you're ready to deal with the uh, with the outcome you know you can't go out there to just try and make money uh, but you want to go be you want to go out there and play your best and you're going to be, you're going to be set up for disappointment very often. Okay. You are going to get like 99 times, 99% of the times, 97% of the times in tournament poker, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment because you're not going to be yeah. winning. You're not going to be cashing. Right. And it's completely fine. It's completely fine. People are too harsh on themselves. I used to be really harsh mm -hmm. on myself at one point. 
that if I didn't come on the top five or top ten, it was like, oh, I'm not playing well. Oh, what is going on? Only to understand later that that's the nature of the game. You can't really do much. You know, it's the nature of the game. You're not going to be winning as often. But you want, you want the, the moments you get yourself in favorable situations, you want to try and convert. You know, because if you win one tournament out of every like 20, that's still better than min cashing like 10, 10 out of 20, to be honest. You know, so when you start learning how these things work, you know, you just adjust your mindset. But I still play a lot of cash games, uh, but I try not to mix the two. You know, when I'm just playing tournaments, I try to just stick to that tournament mindset because the zone is different, the techniques are different, the application yeah. is different. These are we cash games, you know. Cash is going to give you that regular, regular source of income for sure. But you got to decide mm -hmm. for yourself what you really want. You know, would you want that regular source of income or do you want to like compete uh, mm -hmm. and try to get better and better and better and then just go for those. Go for glory. Okay. Gears. Uh, your latest baby, the poker boot camp came yeah. into play. And in a way, uh, it happened in front of me because yeah. I was there for one of the series. I remember I came down and you were, it was the first boot camp that you started. So yeah. I, I want to know what happened in your mind that you were like, okay, I'm playing poker. Uh, yeah. Now I want to give back. I want to go into the uh, teaching side of things. So how did that uh, come about? What was the thought process uh, behind poker boot? Teaching is something that always came naturally to me, to be honest. Whether mm -hmm. it was a school, not that I studied too much, but I was always a guy who knew, if I knew something, I, I was very happy to share it with someone else and be like, hey, I want you mm -hmm. to know this too. You know, so for mm -hmm. me, it was always about sharing. Sharing is caring, you know, like uh, be it whether it's your pizzas, or be it mm -hmm. whether it's knowledge, you know. So I always <laughs> grew up with that mindset of sharing is caring. And uh, so it came very naturally to me, to be honest. Um, I played a lot of sport. That definitely helped me uh, with my mindset, with my approach uh, to understand how it's actually about lifting everybody else up rather than putting someone down. But having said this, uh, throughout, my, throughout my career in poker, like, people always approached me asking me, you know, what should I have done here? What should I have done there? Mm -hmm. What should I have done here? And I was pretty much always on the, on the ball, like trying to like, tell people what my thought process was. You know? um, mm -hmm. I, and then along the way, I also noticed that there were a lot of people misleading a lot of other people, to be honest, you know, like during, during this entire... Uh, what you say, decade, a little over a decade that I'd seen the game. I saw a lot of other people like misleading a lot of other people. Like, let's say there's someone who's not as good as you and he's, he's, you just, he's on your table and he's asking you for advice, but you're not really giving him the right advice. And you know, because oh. you know, like you've seen, mm -hmm. you've seen the game. So you know what he's telling him is not, not the right thing. And you also yeah. know that he knows better because he, mm -hmm. he's playing at a higher level, you know? So he knows, mm -hmm. you know, he knows better, but he's just trying to basically like tell, tell the weaker player. Uh, but no, you did the right thing. Don't worry about it. Continue to do it. You know, like stuff like that. And that so was kind reinforcing of like, like reinforcing wrong things, right? Basically, yeah. the game is fine. You can sledge. You can do what you want to. But the thing yeah. is, like when you're misleading someone on the table, uh, you're kind of like teaching him the wrong thing, right? And then mm. eventually, it's not going to help him because he's going to believe that he's learning the right thing, and then he's yeah. going to go out there try to try to replicate that, and eventually, he's just going to lose a lot of money and then never come back. Mm -hmm. again. Then a couple of other things hit me. You know, like I saw that. You know, there were like 20 million poker players in this country, but every time I log into a lobby, I don't see more than 1,500 people. You know, like yeah. I don't see more than 2,000 people. So where's everybody else gone? You know, like you see the mm. balance sheets of like all these big companies and they're like, yeah, we spent yeah. X amount in acquisition. We have so many registered users. We yeah. have so many of these things. So where are they gone? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. where have they gone? <laughs> and uh, so when you look, when you dig deeper and you understand, it was not really the acquisition, but it was the retention that was the problem. You know, like getting someone to come and play poker is fine. But it's a highly skilled game. It's not, you cannot give yeah. someone a hundred rupees. It, it doesn't work like Uber. I've, I've been telling these guys, like a lot of these mm. brands that I like consult with or I have relationships with, I just, I'm like, dude, it's not like Uber. You can't be like, yo, take hundred bucks, get a free yeah. diet, experience the product, and then you'll be a, you'll be a customer. 
focus slightly yeah. different on one hand you're telling someone to have like 100 binds on another hand you're saying hey i'll give you 50 rupees to play like mm. what like there's just a huge mismatch in that strategy in my opinion it was a problem and i realized that it was the skill uh that was not being taught to other people if it's a skill game there's nobody doing it right and mm-hmm. i kept doing it in my own ways uh like i was mentoring people i was helping other people out and it really didn't matter to me because i realized that if i'm helping someone else out i'm just understanding it better and at some level they're going to help me back in whatever ways you know you give and you get you know so i've always been a giver okay with all kinds of puns intended kind of like triggered me to to start start coaching and be like hey you know what i just want people to know the right thing you know about the game i just wanted mm-hmm. to put out the right content out there that was that was my main goal to be honest Okay, basically, like this bootcamp thing happened as a test experiment. To be honest, I was working with a brand, okay. and 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 you know, like Tane approached me, and Tane was trying to get mm-hmm. into like as well, and he told me he's like, you know what, I like what you're doing. Should we should we try something together? We'll do one experiment mm-hmm. and get some learnings. I mm-hmm. said, cool. You know, I'm with another brand. We we'll learn from mm-hmm. this, and you know, if this works out, like come on board. You know, like mm-hmm. why not? We'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, so he ran a he ran a small uh, test. Test experiment where he was like, you know, he led it and he was like, okay, Wendy's gonna come and coach. He's gonna coach, blah blah. We got two guys, man. We got two guys, okay. And um, we we're like, cool, fine, whatever. You know, it works. We got some learnings. We kind of understood. We like, dude, there are three hundred people that are coming to Goa every month. You know, I'm sure we can catch someone. So just I- to give people some reference, how many uh, boot campers are there now? Oof, uh, paid boot campers over 150. Okay. Wow, that that's yeah. great, man. That's yeah, great. over 115 paid, uh, but I think the community-wise, we're about 5,000, 5,000 odd people across channels. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and then it just happened anyway. Long story short, the bootcamp just happened. Uh, numbers were just like like crazy. You have 20 million people playing poker. You have like 300, 400 people coming to Goa every month, but not one mm-hmm. person in this country who's actually coaching or teaching. There were a couple of stables. There were a couple of stables, uh, but the stables have a different model. You know the stables have a model where they t- they they only come to you if they think you're, you're really good, you know, and then they try to make you better. So the way I looked at it was the value add was not as significant uh, to the growth of this community, you know, or the or the game. Like for example, stables fine, you make money. Uh, they they're gonna they're gonna like invest in you. They're gonna make money. You'll make money. Great model for their model. But will the game grow? I don't really see it because ninety five ninety seven percent of the poker players are losing. Okay. Right. Uh, so my goal was, hey, I'm gonna go to the 95% of the poker players and value add there. Now, if someone's at 10%, and if I can get them to 35, 40, 45, 50%, that value add is significantly more than what a stable can do in terms of taking a person from like 95 to 97. And that was my mm-hmm. mindset. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna add value to the guys who are losing. So if they're losing, let's say five or 10 lakhs a month, and if they can come to even like losing two or three lakhs a month, that's huge. And then mm-hmm. with time. They'll break even with time. They'll start profiting, and that's the general process. You know, like you can't just be a winning player right off the bat. Very few players are winning players right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So that was what basically, like, I was convinced with. So what essentially you do? Because stables, you know, what they do is they take someone who's at eighty percent of the game, yeah. make them better at like ninety, ninety-five, and get then get a cut of it. But there was actually no one in terms of coaching who was taking. the recreational player to be yeah. a better player to be a professional or a semi professional so yeah. that is what you've democratized so as yeah. to say that was and, the idea uh, yeah okay. that was the idea that hey if you want to learn and you you're ready to like pay for it why not mm-hmm. there should be an option for you to get better right? right um there should be an option i'm not saying stables are bad or good i'm not saying that mm-hmm. just a different model right 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 so what the mm-hmm. challenge has been for us is to figure out what we got for everybody else you know because we have different kinds of players 
who come from different experiences, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, different expectations. Everything's different, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty about poker. You you might have someone like yourself playing a certain mm-hmm. set of tournaments on a on a particular website, and you might have mm-hmm. someone else who's just playing on you know like unofficial websites, you know, and then you have mm-hmm. someone else who's just playing cash game on official websites, you know. So everybody has a different journey, uh, and yeah. we then had to kind of figure out how to how to be, basically be there for everybody on their journey. Learning process itself, right? Because whether it's poker or anything else in life, there's so much information from different mediums. And we all consume and learn differently, right? They say that the human brain only retains like 20 to 30% of what they hear. And there's so much concurrent new information. So how do you, even as an individual or as a coach, uh, make sure that things stick and, you know, that whatever you learn as per the concepts, because there are a lot of them, that you make the most of it. The Whether it's the ALM cycle, as mentioned in the mental game of poker, how do you like, how do you make sure that you get the best out of your learning and how do you make it stick? Having mentors and having study groups is extremely, extremely important to be, to be honest. I do not think this game can be done all by yourself. Okay. Uh, however, the studies has to be done by yourself, but I do not think you can grow in this game all by yourself. In most games, I think, I don't think anything you can grow all by yourself. You know, I believe in this concept of strength Mm -hmm. and numbers. I believe yeah. in this concept of uplifting everyone. So what I do is if I learn some stuff, um, I think I've reached a level where I can filter out what I really need for myself or what I really mm-hmm. don't know uh, or mm-hmm. what I really want to learn. You know, like, so I kind of, kind of try, to, try to put down, put my finger to what I need to do at this moment when, when it comes to whether, what I don't know, what I want to improve on um, or what I need to be teaching at the camp. You know, so I kind mm-hmm. of find, identify the gap and then I try to look for the best content out there. Uh, right now, it's reached a point where I have to like skim through a lot of content to figure out, hey, is this what is, re- is, this what is good for me or not? Because there's so much content mm-hmm. out there, like you said, yeah. there's so much content out there that you can get lost. You know, it's, it's a sea of, sea of content. So what we've also done at the bootcamp is basically structure it. We've kind of curated and created content and been like, you know what, you don't need to look everywhere else. Come here because we've kind of like cut out most of the noise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Even with my personal studying, what I try to do is like cut out most of the noise, try to understand what the best way to do it. Solvers have come in and have just given you uh, uh, an easier way to do it. People think solvers are tougher. Actually, solver is just so much easier. It's your friend. It's your, it's your, it's your boy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you give him any question, he's got, to, he's got to give you the answer. You know, it can't get any easier than that. You don't have to look anywhere else, to be honest. Right? Uh, now, what happens with that is you then basically try to understand what he's telling you. And then you try to break it down and apply strategies or figure out the thought process at the end of the day with your other peers, right? Because at the end of the day, you need to understand that the solver is just a bunch of algorithms. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not dynamic. It's, it's already like pre-coded for most part. And then you're in, inputting variables and stuff, right? So you need to understand how the solver is thinking about every situation and why it's doing what, okay? Why is it putting certain combos in certain, certain hands? Or why is it putting certain combos in certain? So the why is something you need to understand how to interpret, okay? And once you understand that, then when you see that situation, you, you, can, you can start to think like the solver. You can start to think like, oh, the, in these situations, this should, this should be my strategy. This is how I should go about applying myself. And then you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Okay? You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, so when you're doing your analysis or your review, you have to be doing it with some people that you really trust, some people that can point out your mistakes. Right? Sometimes, sometimes you, know, like you, you know your mistakes yourself. Like right after the game, you just know what the right answer was. You know what you executed wrong. But there's always going to be that blind spot, you know, and you should, you should be mentally prepared that that blind spot, only someone else can, can find for you because it's a blind spot for you, right? So there's always, so however good you think you are, however like well you think you're playing, 
that there's always a blind spot you know so when you when you analyze it with someone else and when you get someone else to analyze it he's just going to show you a different side of your game which you never knew existed both good and bad right mm-hmm. uh, and i and then that's just going to be the constant uh which is a process so when you understand that hey these are the mistakes i'm making uh you then try to find out how to rectify it you know you'll be like okay yeah. how, how do i rectify it? so you rectify it again through either solvers if it's preflop then you're looking at the other softwares like icmizer um mm-hmm. you know if or hrc for that matter uh because like what you very succinctly and very quickly said and i want to delve on this is that the purpose of a solver is for you to grow your own strategy and to understand why certain actions make more sense than the others why a certain line makes more sense than the others that's the eventual thing because i have actually seen players who take more pride in say oh i ran a solver for 3 hours oh i ran a solver for 2 hours and what yeah. I, i because not everybody has access to it it's an expensive software i went online and i found out certain spots in a certain solver and there was a 10 minute video where the guy broke down the tree and said okay this is the strategy you should take on monotone boards yeah. so uh, do you think that is also more helpful because there are there is the accessibility and technical side of solvers which is not really accessible to all and i i think uh, uh, i think a lot of people that is my take please correct me if i'm wrong should get their general strategy in place basic and intermediate before just diving into something as complex as solvers or uh, what do you think about that uh, if i can simply break it up for you solvers is like going and doing your phd okay okay you need to, you need to learn you need to learn your 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 general rules a plus b whole square mm. you need to learn your addition yeah. subtraction for that matter first and okay. uh, before you get to your phd so you need to learn how to use mm-hmm. other softwares like icmizer hrc mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. probably going to be your higher school and your and your mba right or college you know so mm-hmm. without understanding your fundamentals you cannot use solvers yeah. because you will not be able mm-hmm. to derive uh, any Maximum any sort of strategy it, yeah. from them yeah so yeah. solvers is basically uh, you can think of it like calculus at some level you know like unless you right. know the basis of everything else you can't really like pull out uh, strategies from solvers i mean you can run a sim uh, it's not tough to run a sim Okay, you can run a sim. You can key in like five, six variables, uh, yeah. whatever the range is, whatever you think uh, your player is doing, and you can run a sim. It's going to give you like a bunch of numbers. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? What do you What do you yeah. do with it? Right? It's going to give you a bunch <laughs> of numbers. I can go to I can go to a scientific calculator, key in you know log off whatever, and it's going to give me a bunch of numbers. What do I do with it? <laughs> right? So so the skill and the and the group, I mean, and the study group basically are what they do with it is they try to pull out strategies. they try to pull mm-hmm. out the reasoning as to why the solver is doing what you know and then you start applying that in your in your in your game because those kind of become like your general principles or your general strategies and then there's obviously right. like deviations okay like because mm-hmm. the solver at the end of the day is just input is going to give you a result based on all the inputs that you feed okay now that right. now in real time like there's a human element right and that that deviation is going to happen so knowing mm-hmm. how, understanding how much you have to deviate is very important so i see people Honestly I see people that that talk about uh focus studying uh I think it's more of a fad okay it's more of a mm-hmm. more of a thing being like trying to be cool saying oh I study poker as well because it's kind of become mm-hmm. like a uh like a thing on the streets hey uh yeah. I've been studying I put in some study volume I put in I've seen I've honestly seen a lot of guys and I don't think that's true not studying or saying I'm studying because studying is actually a cool thing to do in poker quite the opposite mm-hmm. from college agree with that one thing I'm going to talk about is I think you learn a lot if not the most from doing your own hand reviews because that is data you've actually lived through you've lived through that hand you've played through it and uh, obviously you know um, the thing is you can't all the frequency of contacting a coach or a peer group you can't do it very frequently 
So when you sit down to do your own hand review, whether it's after a cash session or a tournament session, you marked out your hands, you sit down. Is there a certain approach that you should take when doing your own hand reviews? Because sometimes people can be too harsh, like you said, or too lenient on themselves. So how do you yeah. find a balance when you're doing your own hand reviews? You find a group that you can do your hand reviews with. Group, I okay. do not believe in doing hand histories on your own, to be honest, okay. because you're again going to miss the blind spot. Yeah. yeah, and you're and you're always and you're always going to be doing your hand histories from your perspective, which is the mm -hmm. same perspective that you're playing with. So you're never going to get a different perspective. So I do not okay. believe that hand history sessions have to be done alone. I I strongly vouch for one, if not two, guys uh, okay. that you can do your hand history sessions with. You don't want too many mm -hmm. guys on it as well because too many cooks spoil the broth, and everyone's going to have yeah. a different different uh, approach. You want to have that mm -hmm. one or two guys in your study group. Uh, that can give you that will give you the right advice and if you've played it mm -hmm. bad be like yo bro what's what's the seed you can't be making uh, these mistakes you know yeah. but at the same time giving you perspective on what they think they could have done and how they could have done it better you know so at the end of the day mm -hmm. it's just it's just digging deeper into the different angles and thought processes that you can have on the table and then you have to still go mm -hmm. out there and figure out which one you want to be applying you know you can't like okay a player mm -hmm. a might have told me like do do this next time Fine, go there and see how it works, you know. And but mm -hmm. obviously, he's going to tell me the reason as to why you why you do these. But if I go there and I realize that I can't apply that strategy on a certain type of opponent because of whatever mm -hmm. my inferences are or my read is, uh, then mm -hmm. it might actually be better for me to still stick to a particular strategy against a certain opponent. And if I see an opponent changes, then I can incorporate mm -hmm. the other strategies that were mentioned. You know, uh, so industry sessions alone for me, I don't think is a is a good is a is not the optimal uh, okay. way forward. It's still better than not doing anything. Still better than okay. not doing anything. Okay, but the problem is, let's say you you find yourself in a spot or a doubt. Uh, who mm -hmm. are you gonna ask? Who, where are you gonna get that um, a validation from? That yeah, this is the right play. Or don't worry about it. Or no man, this was the worst play. Who's that mm -hmm. one or one or two people that you're gonna get that validation from? You know. Right. So I strongly advocate for like um, minimum minimum two to three people. I would say uh, you don't want to get okay. it too big as well because everybody has their own schedules. And yeah. uh, and uh, the thing is, you need one or two guys to understand your game as well. I agree, and I want to talk about your study group. I believe it's Pavan Bansal, Gaurav Sooth, right? A bunch of you, like you, get on calls and discuss things from time to time. Yeah, uh, Gaurav Sooth and Pavan are the guys uh, uh, are my go-to guys. You know, whenever I find myself uh, stuck in a situation, um, I go to them generally for my answers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a very interesting dynamic. Okay, all three of us. Like Sooth, mm -hmm. obviously, someone who plays every day almost. Pavan mm -hmm. again is someone who's who me and me and him have kind of like grown up together in the last ten twelve years, and we're very very close. He's uh, one of my closest uh, uh, poker friends. I put it that way, you know. Okay. Uh, in this industry, he's someone who I can trust. Someone I'm very certain I can say this that uh, he trusts, um, and someone who's giving me the right advice for my game and uh, vice mm -hmm. versa. So we have a very interesting dynamic because we've seen each other grow in our own little games and we've seen how mm -hmm. we take life has taken twists and turns with us and we're the same age pretty much you know so we kind of have come from a similar journey Sood is the young kid on the block who's helping the two <laughs> other guys <laughs> okay Sood is the young kid. he's the bridge he's the bridge in my opinion okay he's the bridge from the from the new school and the old school of thought and and you know like i'm reaching a point where i'm trying to get like a hybrid uh approach mm -hmm. in, in the way i play and um I don't want to go too new school, and I don't want to remain too old school. Yeah. Okay, old school, yeah. old school of thought is actually very. Uh, I can see why it lags, but having said mm -hmm. that, there are a lot of things that, from the old school of poker that still kind of works. Okay, yeah, that still works. So I've tried to keep that, and obviously integrated with the new school approach, which is all your softwares and the younger kids on the mm -hmm. block. 
So, so and suits suit studies probably 10x more than I do. You know, um, I was just going to come to that. He yeah, studies he, he a studies, lot. He probably studies 10x more than I do. So it it, mm-hmm. it kind of works because um, a lot of spots I just have to like ask him. I'm like, yo, what's your thought here? What's your thought there? You know, and he spent mm-hmm. so much time with all these solvers that I kind of it's kind of reached uh, a point wherein um, the research work is kind of taken care of. You know, and I know right, that right, okay, right. Uh, I don't have to spend as much time in researching the situation. uh to to come to the to the right answer you know i can trust him to give me the right answer more often than not and power for that matter right also they understand where i'm coming from because they know i have ten other things that i'm i'm busy with yeah. you know they know i'm yeah. coaching they know i'm doing a bunch of stuff so hmm. so i think they've kind of like accepted and understood that equation that hey i'm not going to be a part of the research work as much as they are going to be a part of it but i hmm. i can't be more grateful and thankful to them for always being there when i need uh certain yeah. like help you you know there's a very famous quote which goes um about mankind and where our progress has been till the 21st century it basically says we stand on the shoulders of so what that means is we were like suppose someone's born today and he starts learning he learns from an entire generation you know they say like it's it takes a village to bring up a child similarly uh one thing about coaching what it does is maybe i get to learn as much as you but it's going to take me a lot of time whereas yeah. if you coach me you fasten that process by 10x you know the Easy. person reach that conclusion much quicker like like imagine you like if somebody's picking your brain you've gone through a lifetime being a bishay ko hindi and playing yeah. professional poker and teaching and when you sit and impart that information uh, that that is brilliant and you learn from each other right instead sure. of you starting a sport so suppose if there's a 40 bb sport here and sudha's already done it right so you yeah. sit with him okay bro what do you think about this line it saves yeah. you time he also learns from you and i think that is something what people don't realize um that you know the coaching and learning formally does inculcate yeah. in people right you'll be surprised uh, you'll be surprised that uh, i have a lot of uh, campers that i've been coaching only for a year and a half okay and they've kind of uh-huh. started out in the lockdown to be honest and they're doing really well for themselves to a point mm. where we've kind of trained them to uh, uh, self study right and there there are times right now where i look oh. to them and i'm like you know what i need the answer for this and they go boom 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 they key it out and they come and give it to me right and so oh. quickly you know and i can't even like tell you how uh um healthy it is you know because everyone's just out there trying to help each other out they play hard mm-hmm. with each other on the on the on the fields but there's no bad yeah. blood right there's no bad yeah. blood like and mm-hmm. i think that's the best that's the best part uh, about uh, about boot camp for me and for my mm-hmm. and the private group that i that i really like trust right mm-hmm. uh but soothe soothe and power um other guys i kind of trust where i can discuss like in depth strategy and i can also give them my opinion as to what i think is the right mm-hmm. play you know so it's it's funny because power and i kind of agree at a lot of times and then soothe will have his own his own uh opinion on that tangent yeah because uh, pavan and i have come from a different uh, um you know like uh, school of thought as New well new school right? versus old school yeah yeah <laughs> and so it's 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 great because pavan is someone who's evolved as well you know like he's someone who's not really like been stagnant stagnant with mm-hmm. his strategy and with his um uh which is your approach to the game he's actually the yeah. most geeky one out of the three of us okay he's the most geeky one he's the he's the nerd uh sooth is the oh. one with the most hunger <laughs> because he's the youngest yeah. on the block you know so he's yeah. he's just like always hungry trying to like go for more for more for more i'm the i'm the one that's uh, connecting the the outside life with the inside life you know like with the poker life because mm-hmm. i'm doing so many things outside of poker yeah so, man so, i can see that suits girlfriend gunisha is a part of it too 
you know so then we get we get the opposite gender's perspective too you know so it's 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 a great little uh great you know grisha grisha must be like if you can't beat them join them join them yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm not going to make him stop playing poker i don't think i can do that may yeah. as well join him <laughs> grisha is a very uh, is a very uh, what you say um uh sooth lucked out i'll put it this way i'm saying this okay. sooth lucked out <laughs> she's she's un- unbelievably uh, uh good man she's unbelievably good with uh as a support system as a person uh that's great she's she's just got like a heart of gold you know uh, okay. not only does she take care of like him like even if we mm-hmm. have certain things and stuff she's she's there she's there for all of us you know so okay. so vinisha um so definitely lucked out man out of strategy and yeah. uh, solvers and i'm going to put you in another bucket about learnings when it comes to off the felt learnings that you've seen right because there is a lot of um, <laughs> well inherent toxicity but which comes with the sport that is one then there are also pressures because it's not like a guaranteed return kind of a thing right in a job no matter if you do a shit job or yeah. do a good job you get the same amount of money there's that sound, a sense of security that comes in um and the thing is why i'm asking you is you're possibly one of the few and i'm not saying this to praise you but you're one of the possibly only people or few people i've met who doesn't have this false sense of false sense of bravado and masculine i'm better than you bro kind of an approach right cuz generally it's about i you know even as an influencer on uh, poker and this thing i get to think bro heads up khelega as a kyun khelunga right so yeah. <laughs> I, what i want to ask from you is what have you learned to like stay positive and your off the fed learnings if someone's to like survive in this thing cuz yeah. at the end of the day it's a very competitive cutthroat and there are expectations yeah even if you say that okay i don't believe in results people around you do believe it and eventually yeah. you want to say like i want to see my numbers so how do you handle all of that it's the mamba mentality it's the mamba uh, mentality as <laughs> waiting for that to come in honestly yeah. honestly um there's no secret to it it's the same mm-hmm. everybody if you if you listen to everybody or anybody who's really like climbed up the ladder in whatever they've done they pretty much have this they're pretty much saying the same thing to be honest in their own mm-hmm. little ways you know keep mm-hmm. your ego aside you know just focus on yourself try to get better and better be the best version of yourself put in the practice you know like all of that there's no secret recipe be it be it zuckerberg be it kobe be it lebron be it sachin mm-hmm. be it kohli um be it anyone like in the poker industry as well it's the same formulas you know it's the same formulas uh and that's what i've tried to inculcate in my in my um uh, routine as well and my mindset but the only difference is there's certain things that work for certain people and certain things that don't work for certain people in terms of an approach or tactic or a methodology so you got to find out what works for you you know for me a lot of time what works is the carrot approach not the stick approach you know like right. but at the same time as a coach what i need to figure out is who the stick approach works on who the carrot approach works on. you know so you just need to figure out what's what's the best way of getting the best out of yourself right so kobe always said it just put in those hours of hours of like you know like uh work and then eventually after like 3 to 4 years you see the degrees of separation and then how much ever work your your comp, your competitor or your uh, opponent is putting in it's not going to ever catch up because you've already put in that many hours of work so he's like just work hard just work hard in 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 when nobody's watching you know work yeah. hard when nobody's watching because that's what's going to create that degree of separation right mm-hmm. and um Having said that I think uh I've been through ups and downs uh in 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 life like they say uh everyone's going to hit rock bottom and when you hit rock bottom there's only one way up it teaches you a lot of stuff you know uh keeping your ego aside is one big aspect big 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 aspect everybody's got their ego but you can't consciously have to tell yourself to keep your ego aside and um you know like 
in reality, every poker player at some level knows uh, that variance has been on their side at some point, right? Mm, and yeah. uh, they've put in the volume to get variance on their side, you know? So it kind of like humbles you, you know? Like when you realize that, okay, man, you have gotten lucky in some spots to win like a big tournament at some point. Yeah. You know? Like maybe you're way ahead and you hit that king on the river two out or whatever it is, right? Uh, but the only thing you can really do is just go out there and work, you know? Just go out there and work and just, just focus on what you want. And this is, this is something that I think um, soothe. Uh, Pawan and myself all believe in, you know, just being the best, being the mm. best version of ourselves, you know, like yeah. how do we just keep pushing ourselves? How do we motivate each other to go forward? And all I focused on is man, like that's what, for me, it was never like, I never really had a fear of failure. I think that's what kind of, mm -hmm. kind of felt. like, I was always the kind of guy who would experiment with every single thing, you know, like I was always experimenting, whether it was sport, whether it was like mm. dance, music, whatever it was. And, and I kind of found out what I was good at, what I was not good at. And I just kind of like played to my strengths. Uh, so that was something that I really focused on, and and the goal is the goal is to just go out there and play your best every single time, man. Like let uh, let the remaining aspects do the talking. It doesn't matter if if you get the results always, because I do mm. believe now after all these years that as long as you're like putting in the work, it's gonna come. I think I found in terms of it, like I I understand everything that you're saying. I have that perspective, but what I find is I don't give volume. Or yeah. I tend not to give volume when I'm not getting good results. Right. Like suppose if I'm having a bad run, the mind, I know what my mind is doing. It's protecting itself from getting hurt further Right. when you're in a downward swing. And right. you know, the answer is more volume. I mean, after you correctify your game, you do the studying, you right. got to get back on the fence, right? But I would find reasons not to play, whether right. it's, you know, shooting or doing something else. So like, how do you like, uh, you know, get back into the game when you're in the middle of a downswing and try and stay positive? So drop down in stakes, drop down in stakes. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a big, uh, big thing that I do just to gain some confidence again, you know, just to gain mm -hmm. some uh, momentum again, get a couple of deep runs under your belt and that confidence yeah. will come back up. Right. And then you'll automatically okay. upswing mm -hmm. a bit. You know, it's, it's okay. easy for anybody to play when they're upswinging. You know, that's my yeah. slide. Yeah. And I tell this to everybody. I'm like, dude, when you're upswinging, I don't want to watch you play. Because you're gonna, you're in good form. You have a bankroll. You know your confidence is high. What really defines a poker player is when they're down swinging. What do they do? You know what do they do as a person when they're down swinging? Is what defines a poker player, in my opinion. Because the strength of the person comes out, the character comes out. Are you someone who's gonna battle it out there? Are you someone who's gonna put another hour on the, I mean, off the felts to learn those spots? Mm. Are you someone who's still gonna go out there and try to play your best poker, or is it is it the external factors that is controlling your decision? So mm -hmm. my strong suggestion is taking, taking a couple of days off is completely fine, man. I take a lot of days off. Mm -hmm. Now I take a lot okay. of days off, right? Taking a few days off is completely fine, but it's like, it's like cricket, dude, if Virat Kohli is not middling the ball, he's going to be in the nets, just yeah. playing that same stroke like hundred times, you know, just making sure mm -hmm. he gets that stroke. Uh, similarly with the bowler, if they're off form, they're just going to be in the nets bowling 10 extra overs. So even as a poker player, mm -hmm. when you're off form, it's fine to take a couple of days off, but you want to be figuring out what is it that is making you go on a downswing? Is it variance mm -hmm. or is it what you're doing on the table? Uh, yeah. If it's variance, mm -hmm. you shouldn't care about it. You know, you should just go back mm -hmm. and play. Uh, if it's mm -hmm. what you're doing on the table that is actually taking, is, is actually incorrect, then you want to be breaking that down and figuring out why. So dropping down in stakes is always a, is always a, like a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. people don't understand yeah. it. Again, it's the ego that comes in the way. They're like, Hey, yeah. I've been playing high rollers, man. I've been playing like 50 Ks. I can't be playing yeah. like 1100 rupee buying. That's yeah. not, what do people think? They'll think am I a dance wing? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, dude. It's your own journey. You got to figure out what's working for you. Right. So drop yeah. down in stakes. I drop down in stakes so often when I think, when I think I need to fix something or when I think I need to experiment on something because your cost okay. of learning is lower. 
you know so then i dropped mm-hmm. down in stakes just trying to see what's up before i can try it on the higher stakes as well right um so yeah and and nothing like studying and dropping down because you're going to get one deep run or two deep runs and that's just going to put your put you back in some get you get you some confidence back and confidence is a huge aspect of this game overcon yeah. overconfidence is a recipe for disaster uh online games are infinitely tougher right because like you said initially when we were talking the amateurs come they lose their money and the ones who are actually staying and making money online are actually people who are concentrating on it studying and grinding so he came to me and he asked me like when i'm playing online i've got to take my decisions much quicker compared sure. to say live poker right so how do you put yourself in the most optimum frame of mind where um say you know the equities suppose you are in a flush draw spot and somebody jams in and you're at the certain stage of the tournament so how do you become more optimum in taking those decisions like what is the best you can do like one is you can cut off distractions right so there's less brain fog i i i see you multi tabling like i don't know like as if you're in the matrix or something you know <laughs> so like uh, what what kind of a thought process do you have when you're like dealing um, sports so and playing online my suggestion is uh, if it's if you're finding it hard to make decisions quick you should be playing one table you shouldn't be playing lesser tables table. right yeah because yeah. that way okay. you just save time on every table and you can think of the yeah. think through the hand a lot fast uh, a lot clearer mm-hmm. rather you know so reducing the number of tables is definitely a big uh, uh, i mean a, mm-hmm. a big criteria for me so i see a lot of people who want to play like 6 8 tables because they think that's what pros do but that's not true uh at some level you know pros do that because they feel like they're making optimal decisions on every table so their profits will yeah. amplify but if you're a bad player and you do that your losses will amplify you know because you're going to be losing yeah. on one table and that means you're going to be losing over six tables all and, all tables yeah so you want to be reducing the number of tables getting really good at the game before you start expanding tables i remember i went from 1 to 2 2 to 3 2 to 4 uh and then i went from 4 to 6 6 to 8 right and i've also i've and i've i've played 10 and 12 as well but then i realized that when i play 10 and 12 i'm losing you don't love them i'm not yeah. really winning i'm not really winning as much as uh, i would win at 6 tables now and i found out that my sweet spot is 6 and uh, if i need to be highly dialed in then 8 and uh, i realized that anything below below 6 anything below 6 uh, i've been i've been hugely profitable Uh, 6 is the sweet spot and anything above 8 i've not had like great sessions to be honest so i found out that for myself so you want to be finding that out for yourself as well what's the right number you know so it's it's I think, a big misconception uh, that you have to play like 12 tables or 8 tables or volume 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 is very important but if you're not going to be playing your best game and putting in volume you're going to be amplifying your losses Hmm. I was just going to come to that because the notion why people play more tables is to increase their volume, the more return for their money. But if you're fundamentally, you know, inclined towards playing wrong, it's going to amplify. So that that yeah. that makes a lot of sense. You know your routine. It's between the boot camp and grinding, yeah. and sometimes coming on TV. And now you hit <laughs> national television media as well. So congratulations for that. Good to see the boot camp represent on the national level yeah. and. taking the sport into more legitimacy right and that's how it should be so yeah. what, what, i mean uh, like when you do sit down and think about things what do the next like 5 years uh, like what's uh, in I it for you i don't think I, i don't think as far to be honest uh, mm-hmm. i try to i, I think five year plans uh, are things of the past if you ask me right now i think okay. with how rapidly the world is changing uh, in tech yeah. i think like an 18 month plan is very like do okay. 18 18 to 24 month plans of, i think are the new five year plans in my opinion So I don't try mm-hmm. to think beyond that, uh, mm-hmm. because you got to be like there's so many changes happening right now. You got to be adaptable, you know, flexible. So the next, um, the next 
12 to 18 months. I mean, it's just going to be dabbling between boot camp and my performances on the felt because I realize that there's yeah. a correlation there too. And I want to be at the best of my game so that I can coach these guys and they have the trust in me because if I'm not performing, um, mm. they're not going to be looking up as well, you know. So it's kind of correlated for me to perform there as well. Uh, so mm. that is kind of become like my responsibility in my head. And um, mm. at the same time, uh, fitness is something I want to like pay more attention to. Uh, I do stay active. I do stay, I do my, I do my, uh, uh, I do a bunch of stuff, but I don't think I'm as happy with my regime right now, considering how much mm -hmm. I have going on, to be honest, you know, so fitness is something right. that's been at the back of my mind for a long time. I've gotten into yoga the last three months. Uh, so I've been doing yoga like twice a week, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, I want to get back into playing like sport as well. So I've kind of gotten back on the basketball court. Uh, I want okay. so I realized that taking a mind away from the game is extremely important. And I realized that sport helps me do that. You know, like uh, when when you take your mind away from the game. Actually, was a training ground for playing live because live yeah. games are generally much softer. Yeah. But the number of hands and volume you can get online is like phenomenal, right? That's what Nick yeah. also said that the old school toil and all were all old school, right? They just played X. Now I can yeah. have a 21-year-old kid who plays as many hands as me. <laughs> yeah, and that's so pretty much I'm, what's happening in the Indian uh, fraternity, to be honest. You know, so when they mm -hmm. call us the old school pros or they call us someone who's mm -hmm. been here for the last 10 years. Uh, it's very mm. important for us to evolve, man, with uh, with the new yeah. school guys. And I can see it now. Now suddenly, I'm not the youngest on the felts anymore. I see all these twenty. Every every person I'm playing <laughs> with is pretty much younger than me. Okay, everyone I'm yeah. playing with. So I can see that whole change that is coming. But uh, mm. I need to be. A, I need to. I need to be a lot lot more tactical with these guys. Uh, so you know, like in other sports, in other sports, there's something called load management. Okay, where yeah. uh, I learned this from basketball actually. So some of my players will not play the entire season. So let's say the season mm -hmm. is 72 games long plus the playoffs, or 80, 82 games long actually. The bubble was 72, plus the mm. playoffs. Uh, what the coaches have started doing is to get the best out of their players. They're like, hey, you know what? You're not going to play 20 out of these games. You know, so the mm. 62 games or the 55, 50, 60 games they decide to play, they're playing at their best level. Because if they play the 72 games, uh, they're not going to be playing their, their best level. So the coaches themselves are also trying to figure out a system where everybody is playing their optimal games. And uh, obviously mm. that comes with age and experience. So that's something I've been trying to do at uh, poker as well. You know, load management, not playing everything that I, that I see. But every, every event that I play, I want to be playing my best poker of a mindset right uh what do you think can make the most change which you could suggest say if there was a one-liner that you could tell someone that could actually change the way they perceive and study and learn about poker not have kids man bro you're killing it man no <laughs> no <laughs> No. You did not just say that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then your uh, mind is free and you don't have responsibilities, you know, like you can do a lot of other things. Uh, I said it more because, you know, uh, when you have kids, what I've noticed is like all your time goes towards the future, right? Yeah. And um, I've seen that it's tough for people who have kids to change their mindset because you got to be a little, mm. um, you know, you, you've got to be able to take some risks and rejections and disappointments and uh, when you're playing the game. So it's a very self-involved uh, it's a game where you have to be completely self-involved you know because it's such an individual sport and mm. when you have a kid things change right because now yeah. you're not so self-involved you're very involved in your kid's life you know so it's yeah. very different i'm not saying kids are bad it's a great, <laughs> great way forward but i'm just saying my observation but that was not the that was not the answer to it because the younger guys yeah. are never gonna have kids the younger guys are I think uh, 
the the honest <laughs> the honest feedback uh, mm. these guys is to just be patient man people mm. are expecting quick results you know so poker players um they want instant gratification they're like yeah. hey aaj main 40000 banaya aaj main 1 lakh banaya i'm mm. i'm great i'm good you know but mm-hmm. so the thing is the problem is like don't measure your success based on how much money you're winning or losing uh mm. that's okay. that's the most misleading information in poker you know you cannot mm. be measuring your success based on that because that could just be an out, out function of dating uh, Yeah, you know, maybe you won ten thousand today because you ran good. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. you you won because you played good, right? So yeah. focusing on the controllable aspects, focusing on the decision making is uh, what I would tell the recreational players as well. That uh, mm-hmm. don't expect to go out there. Don't expect to go out there and and win every time you play. Uh, but be prepared to lot. Lo- mm-hmm. uh, be prepared for the loss. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is, which I tell everybody is, uh, money is the byproduct. Okay, mm-hmm. you want to be loving the game. You want to be going out there to play to win the game. You know, which means mm-hmm. strategy, which means like making the right decisions. You know, like just staying in the moment. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. I, I think I should anoint you as the poker monk. You know, <laughs> that, that's a great mentality to have. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that that is some great good uh, piece of advice there. Um, boot camp, honestly, man, I feel like a dad sometimes, dude. Like I have guys calling uh, me and saying, "You it, are." Is it That's why cool. Why it, is it cool to smoke and play? I've had people call me and tell me, "Is it cool <laughs> to smoke and play?" You know, like uh, yeah. I've had all kinds of people ask me all kinds of questions, and it's great at some level. You know, I feel like uh, a confession room. <laughs> so, yeah that's why I started the podcast saying let's talk about your baby the poker boot guy yeah. it is literally your baby you know it's a new it entity is, is. plus you guys are like a family i i cuz i'm on your discord as well so i i yeah. know how tight it is right yeah uh, and positive, it's a happy so. family because you know at the dpt uh, 20% of the field were boot campers okay? and i had no idea who these wow. guys 20% were boot that, campers and i only know that's them by significant. yeah <laughs> a lot of them i only know by an icon okay so when i saw yeah. them i was like oh this is how you look You know, I've heard you once a million times, uh, but I had no idea how you look. And you know what was really heartening was I had at least five, six people come to me, and I'm talking about people who I've known for a while. Okay, come yeah. to me and tell me that they're super excited to see how the boot campers were were conducting themselves. They said we mm-hmm. one thing we noticed was not one of them spoke about a bad beat. You know, not one of them spoke about a bad beat. And in my head, that was such a win because mm-hmm. what I've been telling them is, you know, it's not a, like beats are going to happen. It's part of the game. Yeah. You can't you can't do anything about beats. But we got to be figuring out strategy. We got to be figuring out how to go forward. We got to be yeah. figuring out if it is the right play, you know. And uh, you could hear those conversations with them. You could see the difference in mindset and culture. And it was mm-hmm. heartening to see someone else recognize and bring it up, you know, because it's been to, to build a culture takes time, you know. So now yeah, I can see that culture coming in. I can see it coming in, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I want to push it even more, man. Want to push it? Excellent. More. Excellent, uh, Abhishek. Thank you for speaking with uh, Poker Life India and doing this podcast about learning. I, I think uh, people can learn a lot from you and from the Poker Bootcamp as well. And I, for me, you have this sage-like image. I know you're just thirty-one; <laughs> you're even younger than I am. But uh, you have this um, natural persona and this calm. And I'm sure you have that hunger because that is where you are without the boisterousness and the fake. machoism that people think is necessary to be competitive so i thank you for that and for being here and keep giving as you are as you have been in poker and to other people 
there are very few people who do this and i love your positivity man i mean i've chilled with you in goa as well you have that thank you. natural vibe and that's why people gravitate towards you so keep doing what you're doing man and uh, just thank you for being you man i don't say this so to many much people for having me here i'm glad we could make this happen um yeah. sorry about all the scheduling but it was great fun man and you're nah. giving back in your own way you know like any sort of content out there is giving back so i support everything and uh, Good luck to everything else, and see. Hope, hope that we commentate together on one of these. Uh, oh, that would be fun. That'd be fun. That would be, that'd fun. be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope, hope to see you in the studio at some point. Yeah, man, that would be nice. Thank you again. Right. Perfect, bro. Awesome. Bye.